0: Welcome to our fellowship this morning. Uh, It's great to see you all here and uh, pray that uh, it's a blessing, it has been a blessing, that it will continue to be a blessing uh, this, this morning. So this morning I want to share with you God's truth as we continue to be serious about his word and to continue to build you up in your faith and continue to build up one another in the faith as well. And we're going to read a story this morning about a man who's very popular in the Bible. In fact, he's so popular that we teach children from a young age. We teach children a lot about this man from a young age. He was a short man, a small man who climbed a big tree. And I, to, I want to share with you um, uh, some thoughts about this man Zacchaeus and what actually happened to this man and why it was so powerful that his interaction with, Je- and his interaction with Jesus and what does it mean for us today. So let's, let's pray. Let's spend a moment to pray and then we'll open our Bibles to Luke 19. Um, this morning. Loving Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for the amazing privilege to come before you, the great God, and we thank you that we have the privilege this morning to listen to your word. As we've worshipped this morning, Lord, we believe that you are a most powerful God who's able to do wonderful things in our lives. You're able to break the bonds of sin. You're able to break the chains in our lives, Lord. And you're able to take us from what we were to what you want us to be because of the grace of God. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for this. We pray, Father God, for this church, that we continue to be serious in what we do. We pray, Lord God, that we continue to be truthful in what we preach. And we pray, Lord God, that people continue to be uh, real in how they live their lives. Uh, Father, I pray particularly for those among us who have lost loved ones recently. Uh, We pray a blessing upon them. We pray a blessing upon the families and friends of those that have been lost. And Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would somehow comfort and reassure or encourage the families, that you would also bring them closer and closer to you. So Father, we pray your blessing upon everything that is spoken this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So if you can open up your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, a short man called Zacchaeus And uh, this morning, I want to talk a little bit about how God has called us as God's people. God has called us to overcome our past and to be very serious about our future. God has called us to overcome our past and to be very serious about our future. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. If you came to Jesus Christ and God said to you, sorry, your past is always going to be with you, that would be most miserable. Your past is always going to be with you? You mean I can't get rid of my past? I can't get rid of the way I live? I can't get, get rid of the things that I'm tired of and, and sick of and, and can't, I, I don't want any more in my life, the, my practices? You mean I can't get rid of this? Sorry, that would be like kind of miserable. It would be like, what's salvation then? If I can't get rid of my past? If I can't stop doing the things that I regret? The things that get me down? The things that damage myself and other people? But God hasn't called us to this. God has called us to overcome our past and to be serious about our future. So imagine if Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to overcome your past. I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to wash your sins away. And he brings us into the kingdom of God. And then we say, Lord, this thing about being serious for you maybe another day. That would be an absolute shame as well. That would be an embarrassment to the church if we decided that we would not be serious about what God was doing in our lives and we treated it like a bit of a joke or a bit of a hobby or a bit of a side thing that we did. Imagine Jesus was something on the shelf that we thought to ourselves, I'll grab him when I need him. But that's not the Christian faith. God has called us to overcome our past and to be very serious about our future. Imagine if you invested so much money into renovating your home. Imagine you thought to yourself, my home's looking run down, or a school, my school's looking run down. You put all this money into to renovating renovating something, You know, maybe one, two million dollars, this beautiful outside, wonderful appearance, and then you walk into your house and you realize you've left the old toilet there. Really? Beautiful house, and all of a sudden you're still using the old toilet. Or you renovate a beautiful school, you spend all this money into school, you go in there and there's like the old desk still there. Something's wrong about that. Something's wrong about putting all this money into something, making the outside look really beautiful, and then some of the most basic things that you think to yourself should be different don't change. And that's what God has called us to. God has called us to a life that overcomes our past and is very serious about our future. God doesn't want to keep things in our lives that we know damage us or certainly damage other people. He's called us, as we sung, to a place of restoration. And we'll see this in the life of Zacchaeus, how Zacchaeus was a man who had kind of a lot of things going for him in some ways. But in a man who internally was very damaged. And he called out and saw the grace of God. So let's read the story together. Luke chapter 19. And I'll share some thoughts with you um, from this story. And what God reveals to us or shows us about this man who certainly isn't just something that we want to teach the children, but something that we as adults uh, can learn a whole lot about. So the Bible says, Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd... Because he was of a short stature, he was a short man. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when he saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. A remarkable story. Cute little story, but has so many profound truths that teach us something in how we live today. Who is this man? Who is this man, Zacchaeus? You know, the Bible tells us something about who he was, but doesn't tell us a lot about what his experience was. It tells us in verse 2 that he was a chief tax collector. It tells us in verse 2 that he was indeed very rich. You know, you think to yourself, how do those two things come together? He was a man of position. He was a man of stature. He was a man of authority. He was a man that was a chief tax collector. So in some ways, he was kind of had this, this status about him. But he was also a man that was very, very rich and had the wealth. And probably if you ask that kid a bit about his life, he'd probably say to you something like, yep, whatever I want, I can get. I'm very rich. I'm wealthy. I've made it. But it doesn't tell us a lot about what his experiences were. And even though he might have had a certain persona, he might have presented himself in a certain way, he might have presented himself as confident, uh, maybe a little bit arrogant in some ways, maybe someone who felt like he kind of had it all together. As a tax collector, we know, and as a rich man, you put those two together and you probably begin to realize how he became who he was. Now we know in those days the tax collectors worked for the Roman government. the Roman government wasn 't liked by the local people, and they collected taxes from the people and you can probably guess they didn't just te- they didn 't just collect what they were owed they would have collected a lot more than what they were owed they would have collected a lot more from the people than what the people should have given, and so they didn 't They didn't take honestly, they took more, they became rich from the people and the people began to resent or even hate the tax collectors. Here is Zacchaeus who is a chief tax collector. So all of a sudden his role isn't sounding very good. Yes, he's working for the Roman government, yes, he's making money, yes, he's got a position of status, yes, he seems to have it all together, but really what was his experience? A you know, persona is an interesting thing. You can look at someone, and they can appear to have it all worked out. They can have it all together. They seem confident. They got the money. They got family. They got business, or they got whatever it is that they, they seem to just have it all together. But really, what is going on for that person? What's really happening for that person? What's really their experience? The name Zacchaeus, the actual word itself, the name, means pure or innocent. And he was far from that. He certainly wasn't living up to his name. He certainly wasn't living up to the things that probably were expected of his parents when they named him Zacchaeus. So, what was his experience? You, know, you could probably suggest that his experience wasn't a very good one. Yes, he might have had what he wanted. Yes, he might have had it all together. But I would imagine there would have been a lot of experience where there were people that hated him, people who resented him. He probably felt a bit of loneliness, probably often rejection. And so I imagine deep down he was beginning to understand something very, very significant that we all have to come to an understanding to. And it doesn't matter what we have in life, sin is damaging us from within. It's actually damaging us. And I think Zacchaeus would sort have of began to understand boy, you know, I have these things in my life and I'm the chief tax collector and I have wealth, but you know what? My sin is damaging me. I'm hated by people. I'm hurting people, I'm rejected by people, I'm lonely, I'm isolated, something's not right within. Yes, I might present a certain way, but sin's hurting me, and it's hurting my relationships. And so Zacchaeus, I think, though though he had sort of perhaps looking good outwardly, deep down I think the experience was very, very different. The temptation for Zacchaeus would have been, but can God do something with me? Look what I have done. And you look at other people and you might think to yourself, oh boy, they're too far, they're too hard, God can't reach them. Then the temptation sometimes is to look at your own situation and think, this is too hard, God can't reach this, this, is, this is, God can't, isn't able to, to, to work and overcome the situation I'm in. But no matter how much and how badly People thought of this man. He was never, and you are never, too far from the grace of God. Listen to what Jeremiah says. Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power. Why does he say that? Listen to it. Look into the words. God, you made heaven and you made earth by your great power. Think about that for a moment. earth, there was nothing here. The Spirit of God hovered over darkness. And all all of a sudden God says, let it be. And it was. And And what Jeremiah is saying is, God, you made heaven and earth by your great power. And then he goes on to say with your outstretched arm, there is nothing too hard for you. So maybe something in Zacchaeus began to ponder the words of the prophet and thought to himself, if this is true of God and Jesus is the Son of God, then maybe my own life is not too hard for God. Maybe what I've done isn't too far from God. But I suspect for Zacchaeus to get to this place... He would have understood that very, very important thing that every one of us needs to understand just how much sin was damaging his life, his mind, his heart, his lifestyle, his relationships. Was it really worth it? Was it really worth it to do the things he was doing? Is it really worth it for us to do the things that we do when we know it's hurting us and hurting other people? Is it really worth it to lie the way we lie? Is it really worth it to be proud in the way we're proud? Is it really worth it to be jealous over things that aren't ours? Is it really worth it to be like this because it's hurting us and it's hurting others? And all of a sudden, there is this understanding that sin was damaging him. Maybe Zacchaeus had been listening to the words of Jesus before this incident, before this occasion. Maybe he'd heard the words of Jesus or someone had told him of the words of Jesus before this situation. Why do I say that? Because earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus said this, "'For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world "'and he himself is destroyed or lost?' Luke 9, before this passage, Jesus had spoken these words. What's a prophet a man if he gets everything in this world and he's lost? So maybe Zacchaeus had heard that. Maybe he heard Jesus say it directly. Or maybe someone said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you know what Jesus said? What's a prophet a man if he gains the whole world and he's lost? And he began to ponder, what is a prophet a man if he gains the whole world and he's lost? What's it profit you if all you do every day is seek this world, seek this world, seek this world, and you lose your soul? And maybe Zacchaeus began to ponder that, and the Spirit of God began to mingle in his heart and this beautiful thing that you've experienced and I've experienced, where the Spirit of God works in your heart, and there is this combination of conviction and hope. This (laughs) This combination where God confronts you and then speaks hope in your life. Or maybe Zacchaeus had heard this that Jesus had said earlier. In Luke 12, take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Maybe Zacchaeus had heard that just earlier on, where Jesus is saying, you know what, be careful that you don't start to become covetous or you don't become greedy and jealous of other people, because who you are, your identity isn't defined by what you have. And Sikir so started to wonder, I'm not, I'm not defined by what I have. There's something greater than this. And all of a sudden, he's known as one thing, uh, chief tax collector, and he's wealthy, but all of a sudden, his experience is very, very different. So to get him to this point, his experience would have had to be different. So we see a man who is sincerely seeking after the Lord. In verse 4, the Bible says, He ran ahead and climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. You get a sense of this man would have realized, you know what, something's not going right in my heart. Something's not quite right. I, I have what I think I wanted, but deep down, it's not settled. And so he sees Jesus. He may have heard the words of Jesus. There was this spirit that's, that there was this kind of mingling in his heart, this stirring that's going on. And all of a sudden, he's, he knows he needs to see Jesus, but he's too short. And the crowd are in the way. So he humbles himself. He doesn't go down. He goes up. And to see a grown man get up into a tree and look down is a bit humbling, isn't it? I don't know. I don't see a lot of grown men in trees. I see a lot of children in trees. So I reckon there's a bit of humility there because you know what? Nothing was gonna stop him. He couldn't care. He couldn't care if it meant he could see Jesus, then he wanted to get up there and nothing, all the humility, all the humiliation, all the ridicule, all the mockery, it doesn't really matter because I don't care what people say about me and my faith, I want Jesus. When you get to that stage of life, beloved, and you start to realize it doesn't really matter what people think of me, I just want Jesus, you become a free person. You'll climb the highest tree you look silly if you need to because all you want is Jesus. Oh, <laughs> you go to that funny church thing that people do and they lift their hands and they... I just want Jesus. I just want Jesus. You mean you gave up that sin? You gave up doing that? Boy, that's so much fun. Why would you give that up? I just want Jesus. I want to overcome my past and I want to be serious about my future. And that's what Jesus promised me. And so he, he goes up and he climbs this tree because he wants to see Jesus. And maybe, maybe Zacchaeus had um, listened to the prophet. Maybe Jeremiah was his favorite prophet, I don't know. Maybe he had listened to the prophet Jeremiah as a young boy when the prophet said, And you will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. And maybe he would pondered as a young boy, a young Jewish boy, didn't Jeremiah say that I will find God if I seek him with all my heart? I'm getting up that tree. Or maybe he had heard the words of Jesus earlier on in Luke when he said, I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And maybe he pondered the words of Jesus and said, Jesus, you said knock and it's going to be open to you. Seek and it's going to be fine. I'm going to get up on this tree because I want to ask. I want to seek. I want to knock. And all of a sudden, the promises of God start to come to fruition because you have a man who's known as one thing, who's experiencing another thing, and now is sincerely seeking after Jesus. Don't worry about what people think of you. Whether you are in Christ or pursuing Christ. The Bible teaches, if you seek after him, you shall find. If you knock, it will be opened. If you ask, it shall be given. But what is given? Well, The ability to overcome your past and to be serious about your future. A changed life in Christ that breaks the bondage of sin and the chains that held you for so long. To be real with yourself and to be real with God and to experience the freedom that is in Christ. Ask, and it shall be given. So this man got up in a tree, and he saw, uh, he saw Jesus, and then one of the most remarkable, remarkable events take place in the Scriptures. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, and saw him, and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry up and get down, for today I must, I must stay At your house, I must. What does that even mean? I must stay at your house. It's like Zacchaeus. I'm compelled. I came for this reason. You are seeking. I want to give. I I I can't help but have to come to your house. Wouldn't it be beautiful? Jesus comes up to you and says, I've got to come to your house. I must come to your house. Nothing was going to stop this man and nothing was going to stop Jesus. This this intimacy between the two of them coming face to face, and all of a sudden you can imagine Zacchaeus' heart is beginning to bubble with excitement because all of a sudden, can this be my answer? I can overcome my past, I can change my future. Is this my answer? And all of a sudden, he's, you can imagine this, this sense of excitement that's bubbling in his heart. And the Bible says, he, Bible says he came down and received him joyfully. He hurried up and he came down with haste and he received him joyfully. You can imagine, it wasn't a slow decline from the sycamore tree. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was half down, halfway down and he just jumped. Because he just couldn't wait to get to Jesus. Imagine Jesus coming up to you and saying, I'm going to come to your house. Now, I don't know about you, but some people, most people, if you're like us, most people, if someone turns up at your door unexpectedly, the first thing that goes through your mind is what? Is my house clean? Did we flush the toilet? Is the thing mopped? You know, is it all these things, because unexpected guests, that's all right. We like unexpected guests, but those things sometimes go through your mind. Imagine Jesus said to you, I want to come to your house. Now, if you're not a Christian this morning, that that might freak you out because, whoa, come to my house. Because we know the Bible talks about the symbol of the house is your heart. He comes in and he wants to be Lord of your heart. He wants to be Lord of your home. Okay. You might, as a non-Christian, you might think, whoa, that's all too much, man. I've got a lot of things in my life I've got to clean up. It's really embarrassing. Really embarrassing. But I want to encourage you this morning, if you're not a Christian and Jesus invites you into your heart, then he's just saying, you know what, let me come in, I'll clean it up. I'll clean it up. Don't be embarrassed. Just receive me and I'll clean it up. You'll overcome your past, I'll get you serious about your future. I will clean your house. And that's an invitation to you this morning that if Jesus is knocking on your heart saying, I want to come in, why are you resisting me? Let me in. I, I want to come and I want to clean things up. I want to make you serious. I want, to, I want to bring your life under the protection and the lordship of Christ. But if you're a Christian this morning and Jesus is saying, I want to come to your house and you're, and, you're, and you're slowly starting to get embarrassed, Lord, if you come into my house, you're going to find things in my heart that should not be there, then I say to you, Christian, you need to change that. There needs to be repentance because Christ already lives in your heart. He shouldn't be knocking And if it's in your heart, then you need to make sure that you, do, that you do something very, very simple and very, very serious and that is repent from that thing that you're embarrassed of. And allow him to come and do the th- work that he needs to do in your life because he needs to clean up, he needs to clean up so that you allow Christ to live in you freely, unashamed of sin because sin is being overcome in you. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that we are his house because Christ lives in us. The Bible tells us in the book of Galatians that Christ, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So the life I live now, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave his life for me. If you're a Christian and Jesus is inviting, if you feel like Jesus is inviting himself into your home, there's a serious problem. If you're a Christian, he's in your home and you need to make sure that all things are done so he lives freely and as he ought to live and as he wants to live in your life. But Jesus tells the kids, I need to come to your house. And he does that. What typically happened to Jesus when this, these things happened? What typically happened when Jesus wanted to love on people who were sinful? He got resistance, didn't he? You know, it's amazing when people almost get a bit jealous what? His house? Do you have any idea who this man is? He's the chief tax collector. He's taken my money. I've been following you for days. And you're going to his house? Come on, man. This is my You, you came for me. As if to say, some people feel like they own Jesus. You can't. That's, that's like he's really bad. I, I know you came for the lost, but like he's really lost. And all of a sudden, Jesus faced resistance. He got resistance because they they criticized him, verse 7. When they saw it, they all complained, saying, he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. (laughs) Thank God he he went to a house for a man who was a sinner. Thank God, because if he didn't do that, and he chose not to go into the houses of people who were sinners, none of us would be saved. We'd all still be lost in our sin. But thank God he came to do this very thing because he came to restore the broken and he came to set free the captive so that he can come into someone's home, he could clean up what needs to be cleaned up and he could send them off free from their sin. Praise God for that. And so they complain. Interesting how people complain. Interesting how people actually find it hard to understand that what Jesus wants to do is to do good. Remember when Jesus healed the man who was possessed of many, many demons and he sent them into the swine and the swine went into the water and they all got really upset with Jesus and was like, get out of here. This man was possessed. This man was uncontrollable. And now he sits in his right mind and they still kicked him out because people don't get it. And if people don't get your conversion, and if people don't get what Christ is doing in your life, that's completely normal. And the more in fact God is working in your life, the more in fact people will find it hard to understand. What you really love him, even after what he did to you? What you you're forgiving her despite what she did and said? You're crazy. Yeah, it's true. I am. Because I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow him. Yeah, but that's really bad what she did to you. Yeah, but I still forgive. And all of a sudden, what seems to be crazy in the eyes of people and what God is doing in their life, because he's coming into the hearts of sinners and cleaning them up and restoring them back to truth and righteousness, all of a sudden that is difficult for people to understand. And so, beloved, the church of God, the community of people of, of Jesus Christ, needs to be a community that sees the restoring work of Jesus. We need to welcome people into a place of restoration, into a home of restoration. Whoever walks in this door and wants to be serious about Jesus is welcomed with open arms, no matter what their background is, no matter how bad they are, no matter how lost they appear, they are welcomed in Jesus' name. This home, if you're not happy with that, then you should leave, because this place is a place where we welcome uh, people of all backgrounds and experiences because we believe in the restoring, powerful work of Jesus. See, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Yet the Bible says the truth sets you free. And the church walks this very delicate line. And sometimes we don't quite get it right and we pray about certain situations and we ask Lord, what should we do in this situation? But that's the church. It covers a multitude of sins and yet it sets, by the power of God, sets sets people set free from their sin. But it must be a place of restoration. It must be a place that shows the community of Jesus who love on people but love on them because truth sets them free. And that's why I get excited about the weekend for the women's retreat because I pray that the truth was a part that set them free but their community grew with a bond that was unbreakable despite perhaps what people have done and said in the past. And so these people really struggled to understand what Jesus was doing, but all Jesus was doing was being Jesus. And in verse 8, the Bible says, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, I give half my goods to the poor, and I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation. I restore fourfold. Do you not understand the significance of what he's saying here? That's like saying to Jesus, 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 I come to you and despite the things I loved before, because you loved me and restored what was hurting deep within, I give up the things I tried to hold on to. That person I hated for so long because you showed me love, I just can't help but love them now. Lord, I use people to rip them off. For my personal gain, because you loved me and showed me my sin and what it was doing to me, I now give back to them. In fact, Lord, I give half the money to the poor. I mean, just do the math for a moment. He gave half his money to the poor? Okay, just imagine yourselves, give half your money to the poor, and then whatever you've uh, falsely taken from someone, you're going to give them back four times that amount. Okay, I take $100 off you falsely, I give you back 400 And every person I've done that to, I do that. Some people suggest that this man had nothing left. It's my understanding. And I can, I can get that. How do, you give back, how do you give half your money to the poor and then pay back everyone, which is probably everyone, fourfold what you have? But Jesus wasn't worried about the money. That wasn't where Jesus was, was... He didn't see the money and thought, oh, fantastic, the poor are going to be helped now. People are going to be happier now. That's not what Jesus was focusing on. What his focus on here was very, very simple. Today, 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 there is salvation in this house. Because this man overcame his past and he was serious about his future. He trusted in Jesus and all of a sudden Jesus broke the chain of sin. And now this man can go forth set free, and to do righteously, to do righteously. Now what is the devil going to do to Zacchaeus, you reckon, next day, day after? You can imagine the devil's beginning to whisper, oh oof, Zacchaeus, you made that really big promise, Are you sure? And then maybe, maybe six months later after he's done it, oh, Zacchaeus, you had so and all these things are going to happen afterwards to him. But I believe by the grace of God, if Zacchaeus continued to remain faithful, understanding his relationship with Jesus, seeing Jesus face to face, he would, as the Bible has, has said, he would have continued to have grown from glory to glory, beholding the image of the Lord. And so when the devil wants to whisper and say, but look what you did, or look what you had, or look what you could have become, or look what you've lost out on, then just remind him of the grace of Jesus that set you free. Just remind yourself, the grace of Jesus that sets you free from sin. More powerful than any dollar, more powerful than any applause, more powerful than any respect, the blood of Jesus that sets you free, that you may walk knowing Christ is in you, the hope. Of glory and so, so he goes and he and he and Jesus declares that this man is now uh, a son of Abraham. I think Zacchaeus would have again to finish this off, he would have considered the words of Christ. And the more and more we pondered the words of Jesus, the more and more we realized just how much we need him, how much we're dependent on him, and how much he's able to do for us. And it's very possible that Zacchaeus would have just heard the words of Jesus. If you go back and look at Luke 18 for a moment, just go back one chapter. And just before Zacchaeus sought after Jesus, It's very possible he would have heard the story or heard of the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector in chapter 18, verse 9, where the Pharisee and the tax collector went up to pray. And the Pharisee was very proud and said, God, I do all these awesome things for you. And the tax collector beat upon his chest and said, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And and he would have probably heard of this story just before this incident and realized, oh, Even though I feel so ugly about myself and what I'm doing, it was the tax collector who went down justified in this parable. Not the Pharisee. And then he probably would have heard of the next story in that same chapter in verse 22. The rich ruler He tried to justify himself before Jesus and say, Jesus, I've done all these great things. And Jesus says, okay, that's good. Now I want you to sell everything and come follow me. And he walked away sad. And he would have realized, boy, this man gave up something for Jesus. He gave up something instead of Jesus or in place of Jesus. But then imagine the hope in his heart when he would have heard Jesus. When Jesus said to his disciples in verse 24, when Jesus saw that he Became very sorrowful, he said, How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of heaven? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. He imagines Zacchaeus, if he had heard about this or heard it directly, would have thought to himself, Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man. Verse 26, And those who heard it said, Who then can be saved? And Jesus said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. <laughs> can you imagine if Zacchaeus heard this, he would have thought to himself, oh, unbelievable. I can't as a man, men can't do this, but Jesus Christ can. And all of a sudden, again, when the Spirit of God convicts us, there's this beautiful combination of conviction and hope, confrontation and hope. And if the Spirit of God convicts us this morning and says, you know what, you, know what? You, your life, you, um, uh, who you are, what you're doing, the persona that you present before other people, all these things cannot get rid of the reality of what you know exists within you and that is what sin is doing to you within. I have come that you may set free. And even though it seems impossible for man, it is always possible for God. So, beloved, where do we run? Where do we go? Do we run away or do we climb the tree? Do we continue to seek our pursuits, worldly pursuits, or do we seek the face of Jesus? Do we come face to face with him, and because we do that we are transformed from glory to glory, or do we find ourselves trying to find contentment in the things that never will satisfy? I don't think I could ever describe to you how great, how long, how deep, how wide is the love of Christ. And when we bring our pain and our guilt before him, he begins to heal this. When we bring our shame and our embarrassment before him, he begins to heal this. When we bring our bondages and our addictions before him, he begins to heal this. Because he doesn't see with the eyes of men. What he sees is what he's called you to and what you can become because of his grace and his grace alone. So if we humble ourselves, climb a tree this week. As in, humble yourself this week. If you humble yourself and see the power of God lift you up, see the power of God break the bondages of life, See, the power of God clean up and set you free, that you overcome your past and you're serious about your future in Christ. Let me pray for us. Our loving Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the grace of God that has has come into our lives and has cleaned up our hearts. And the power of God that continues to set us free from all those chains that bind us. We thank you, Lord God, that you have revealed your grace to Zacchaeus. And we thank you that you've revealed your grace to us today. We come humbly before you, Lord. We come humbly to receive all that you want to give us. That we become like you. That we may love you with all our hearts. And that we may love each other. In your name. And Father, in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.